Divyam easily obtained because of rainfall from the sky. Baumam obtained from the mines and the sea. Cha end. Antariksham obtained by chance. Vitam all all property. Achuta nirmatam created by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Tut those things. Sarvam all upayunjana utilizing for all human society or all living beings. Eta this maintaining body and soul together. Kuryat one must do. Swata obtained of itself without extra endeavor. Buddha, the intelligent person. Translation, the natural products created by the Supreme Personality of Godhead should be utilized to maintain the bodies and souls of all living entities. The necessities of life are of three types. Those produced from the sky, from rainfall, from the earth, from the mines, the seas, or the fields, and from the atmosphere, that which is obtained suddenly and unexpectedly. Please repeat. You don't have to unmute yourself, but just repeat uh, behind the muted mic. That could be a name of, a, of my memoir, Behind the Muted Mic. The natural products created by the Supreme Personality of Godhead should be utilized to maintain the bodies and souls of all living entities. The necessities of life are of three types. Those produced from the sky, from rainfall, from the earth, from the mines, the seas, or the fields, and from the atmosphere, that which is obtained suddenly and unexpectedly. Purport. We living entities in different forms are all children of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As confirmed by the Lord in Bhagavad Gita, Sarva Yoni Shukhanteya Murtaya Sambhavantiya Tasam Brahma Mahadyonir Ahambija Pradapita. It should be understood that all species of life, O Son of Kunti, are made possible by birth in this material nature. And, I am the, and that I am the seed-giving father. The Supreme Lord, Krishna, is the father of all living entities in different species and forms. One who is intelligent can see that all living entities in the 8,400,000 bodily forms are part and parcel, are part of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and are his sons. Everything within the material and spiritual worlds is the property of the Supreme Lord, 
Ishavasya Midang Sarvam, and therefore everything has a relationship with him. Srila Rupa Goswami says in this regard, Prapanchikataya Buddha Hari Sambandi Bastuna Mamukshabi Pratyago Vairagyam Palgukatyate, one who rejects anything without knowledge of its relationship to Krishna is incomplete in his renunciation. That verse is from the Bhakti Rasam Rita Sindhu, 1-2-256. Although Mayavadi philosophers say that the material creation is false, actually it is not false, it is factual. But the idea that everything belongs to human society is false. Everything belongs to the Supreme Personality of God, and for everything is created by Him. All living entities, being the Lord's sons, His eternal parts and parcels, have the right to use their father's property by nature's arrangement. As stated in the Upanishads, Tena Tektena Bunjita Magradaka Sasudhanam, everything, everyone should be satisfied with the things allotted him by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. No one should encroach upon another's rights or property. In Bhagavad Gita, it is said, Anad. All living bodies subsist on food grains, which are produced from rains. Rains are produced by performance of yagya, sacrifice, and yagya is born of prescribed duties. When food grains are sufficiently produced, both animals and human beings can be nourished without difficulty for their maintenance. This is nature's arrangement. Prakriti kriyamana anigunai karmani sarvasha. Everyone is acting under the influence of material nature, and only fools think that they can improve upon what God has created. The householders are specifically responsible for seeing that the laws of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are maintained without fighting between men, communities, societies, or nations. Human society should properly utilize the gifts of God, especially the food grains that grow because of rain falling from the sky. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Jagnad Bhavati Parjanya, so that rainfall will be regulated, humanity should perform yagyas, sacrifices. Yagyas were previously performed with offerings of oblations of ghee and food grains. But in this age, of course, this is no longer possible for the production of ghee and food grains has diminished because of the sinful life of human society. However, people should take to Krishna consciousness and chant the Hare Krishna mantra as recommended in the Shastras. If people throughout the world take to Krishna consciousness movement, to the Krishna consciousness movement, and chant the easy sound vibration, of the transcendental name and fame of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, there will be no scarcity of rainfall. Consequently, food grains, fruits, and flowers will be properly produced, and all the necessities of life will be easily obtained. Grahastas or householders should take the responsibility for organizing such natural production. It is therefore said, govida. An intelligent person should try to spread Krishna consciousness through the chanting of the holy name of the Lord, and all the necessities of life will automatically follow. Divyambaumam chantariksham vitam achuta nirmatam tatsarvam 
Padyunjana Eta Kuriya Soto Buddha Swata Buddha that which is obtained suddenly or unexpectedly from the atmosphere. And the atmosphere is uh, given here from the sky, from the earth, mines and seas. Uh, rainfall, mines and seas, and that which is obtained suddenly and unexpectedly. The natural products created by the Supreme Personality of Godhead should be utilized to maintain the bodies and souls of all living entities. So here, again, in this chapter, Narada Muni is describing uh, to Yudhishthira the um, duties of various varnas and ashrams. And so the grihastha ashrama is especially meant for nurturing others. And taking the gifts that God gives automatically from the earth and from the sky, and that those things that's, that come of their own accord, and Prabhupada quotes, Tasyayvaheto prayateta kovido, nalabhite yad brahmatamu parida, talabhite dukava, anyatasukam kalina sarvatra, gavira rambasa kalina sarvatra. Everything uh, that comes in due course of time because of uh, destiny, uh, th those things can be accepted, and all of them should be utilized to maintain the bodies and souls of all living entities. So this is a kind of uh, nurturing ashram. The grahastas are meant not to work for their own pleasure, simply to uh, be a closed unit, and then to enjoy as much as they can at the expense of, of others. No, but the sacrifice in the Grahasta Ashram is actually to, to serve all the others by gathering together these kinds of bountiful resources that come from Krishna and making sure that other people are sustain, sustained, all different kinds of living entities. So there's a a directive to grahastas that before they take prasadam, they should call out in the four directions that if anybody's hungry, please come and eat. Not that they're just uh, maintaining the house for themselves, but it's for all the living entities around, and it's not just human beings also. This is a very short-sighted vision. People think in terms of the humans are the dominant force in the world, which may be so because of their intelligence, but it doesn't mean that they get to kill the bodies of other living entities. No, they're supposed to maintain them and to uh, nurture them because uh, they're also God's creatures. Those who are advanced in knowledge know this. Vidya vinaya sampani brahmani gavi hastani shuni chaiva shupakecha pundita samadarshina. Only a learned person a, a person who is learned knows to see all living entities, either uh, they're seeing it directly or they need to see anupashati through the eyes of scripture, that all living entities are God's beloved creatures and therefore they should be maintained. And the Grahasta takes it upon him or herself to, to help them. 
And then, of course, Prabhupada's mentioning uh, the verse, Anad Bhavanti Bhutani, which is important because oftentimes Prabhupada would comment that although in modern society we manufacture many things, that you can't eat those things. For instance, he would say you can't eat rubber tires, you can't eat nuts and bolts. If you create a big factory through technology to create these things, for some kind of convenience in the world, like you drive around in a car and it has all the air conditioning and kinds of uh, music inside and so forth. <clears throat> but um, if there's a, a drought or a famine, you can't eat your car. So <clears throat> this uh, human life is meant for living closer to the to the earth, which is actually uh, Krishna's gift to us. There's a way in which we're maintained by the gifts that come from the earth, especially the food grains. And there's enough for everybody. Prabhupada mentions that uh, in modern society, even when grains are produced, sometimes if there's an excess of grains to keep the price at a certain level, because there's a commodities market, that people are counting on, they'll dump the extra grains in the sea rather than distributing them. So this kind of artificial standard is not helpful either. And um, one should, um, Prabhupada says, however, people should take to Krishna consciousness and chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. This is a, uh, in reference to the fact that humans have to perform yajna uh, to be happy. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that uh, we have a symbiotic relationship with, with the devas and we have to perform sacrifice for them because they're giving us so many gifts. And if we don't, then we just become thieves. We're just taking it without giving any acknowledgement whatsoever. And the way to do that is through yajna. And in every age, there's a specific yajna. And in the Kali Yuga, the yajna is specifically the Sankirtan yajna, chanting of the holy names congregationally and spreading it all over the world. So now we'll take a few uh, reflections or uh, questions from this uh, particular section. So there's no restriction. You can unmute yourself at any time and just join the conversation. <coughs> Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, this is Devi Das. Hare Krishna Shamalangi. Uh, Maharaj, I had a question on this uh, Isha Vasyam verse, like it says, Tena Taktena Bunjita Magrida Kasisvidhanam. And uh, it talks that, you know, like the translation is that we should be satisfied with the things allotted uh, to us by the personality of Godhead. But I wanted to check, uh, like, you know, um, you've seen at work, or at least we hear from others that taking credit, somebody does the work, but another person wants to take the credit, like people often complain. So I was thinking, does this verse apply on the credits as well? Well, it depends. When you're in the workplace, there's some, uh, especially in the corporate workplace, or even more so if you're in an academic workplace, there's a lot of politics. Nobody's more contentious or political than uh, than in the academic world. Professors, they're always fighting with one another over position and so forth and asserting themselves as 
I'm better than you because I have a higher degree. And uh, in the corporate, there's a, a pecking order also. And uh, in order to survive in such environments, uh, you may have to assert yourself. That's in the um, realm of doing your duty. Uh, if, you, if you have to maintain yourself by taking credit, for instance, if, if someone steals your project and says, I did it, they didn't do it, uh, and then that means you're not going to get promoted, then, then in that realm, it's not that you just say, oh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, they did do it, and then forget it. There's a vyavaharika, or practical matters, that you have to deal with in the material world, and there's paramartika, your ultimate spiritual advancement. So in order to negotiate the kind of situation one might be in in the corporate or academic world, you have to be practical. So uh, I don't see where it's recommended that one um, sacrifice one's uh, career because of some other greedy person who tries to usurp your position. Thank you. It doesn't, it doesn't really relate. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. What other things? This is Dr. Ronak. I have a question. Yes, uh, Dr. Ronak. Nice to hear your voice. So, Guru Maharaj, it is, uh, as you said, that when we perform sacrifices, the demigods get satisfied. So, why or how do they get satisfied? Or is it because Lord Vishnu gets satisfied so that all get satisfied? Or how does that work? Well, that's true. In any kind of yagya, Lord Vishnu has to be present. But um, there's a a symbi as I said, a symbiotic relationship between the devas and us. Um, actually, we share, I'll give you some evidence for that. So there's a way that uh, it's described in Bhagavatam. It'll take me a second. That the, the living entities, uh, like human beings and the devas, are linked together. Because um, Mukharvinda, look it up in the 10th canto, 14th chapter. <laughs> There's a verse describing uh, the interconnectedness between the devas, like Indra, and um, the living entities. If you could find that, please. And um, both of them are, are dependent. Of course, the Supreme Lord is independent. But there's this uh, direct connection. As he's looking that up, I'm going to read to you from the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita to give a little more scope about the, um, the wheel of sacrifice. So here in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna starts on 3.9 uh, with Jagnartat Kamanonyatra Loko Yam Karma Bandana Tadartam Karma Kaunteya Mukta Sangha Samachara Work done as a sacrifice for Vishnu has to be performed. Otherwise work causes bondage in this material world. Therefore, Sana Kuti, perform your prescribed duties for his satisfaction. And in this way, you will always remain free from bondage. Then, 
Sahajagna Prajashishva Purovacha Prajapati Anina Prashavishadvam Eshavostushakamadup. In the beginning of creation, the Lord of all creatures sent forth generations of men and demigods, along with sacrifices for Vishnu, and blessed them by saying, Be thou happy by this yagya, because its performance will bestow upon you everything desirable for living happily and achieving liberation. And in the next verse, Devan Bhavayatanina Te Deva Bhavayantuva Parasparam Bhavayanta Shreya Param Avapsita. The demigods, being pleased by sacrifice, will also please you, and thus by cooperation between men and demigods, prosperity will reign for all. Srila Prabhupada's purport. The demigods are empowered administrators of material affairs. The supply of air, light, water, and all other benedictions for maintaining the body and soul of every living entity is entrusted to the demigods, who are innumerable assistants in different parts of the body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Their pleasures and displeasures are dependent on the performance of yagyas <coughs> by the human beings. By the human being. Some of the yagyas are meant to satisfy particular demigods, but even in doing so, Lord Vishnu is worshipped in all yagyas as the chief beneficiary. It is stated also in the Bhagavad Gita that Krishna himself is the beneficiary of all kinds of yagyas. Therefore, ultimate satisfaction of the yagyapati is the chief purpose of all yagyas. When these yagyas are perfectly performed naturally, the demigods in charge of the different departments of supply are pleased, and there is no scarcity in the supply of natural products. Performance of yagyas has many side benefits, ultimately leading to liberation from a joke bondage. By performance of yagyas, all activities become purified. As it is stated in the Vedas, ahara shudhau sattva shudhi, sattva shudhau dhruva smriti, Smriti Lambe Sarva Gantinam Vipramoksha. By performance of yagya, one's eatables become sanctified, and by eating sanctified foodstuffs, one's very existence becomes purified. By the purification of existence, finer tissues in the memory become sanctified, and when memory is sanctified, uh, one can think of the path of liberation. And all these combined together lead to Krishna consciousness, the great necessity of present-day society. And then, uh, next verse, Ishtan bogan hivo deva dasyante yagyabhavita terdatan apradayaibyo yo punkte stena evasaha. In charge of the various necessities of life, the demigods being satisfied by the performance of yagya, will supply all necessities to you. But he who enjoys such gifts without offering them to the demigods in return is certainly a thief. Purport, the demigods are authorized supplying agents on behalf of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vishnu. Therefore, they must be satisfied by the performance of prescribed yagyas. In the Vedas, there are different kinds of yagyas prescribed for different kinds of demigods, but all are ultimately offered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. For one who cannot understand what the Personality of Godhead is, sacrifice to the demigods is recommended. According to the different material qualities of the person's concern, different types of yagyas are recommended in the Vedas. Worship of 
different demigods is also on the same basis, namely according to different qualities. For example, for example, the meat eaters are recommended to worship the goddess Kali, the ghastly form of material nature. And before the goddess, the sacrifice of animals is recommended. But for those who are in the mode of goodness, the transcendental worship of Vishnu is recommended. But ultimately, all yagyas are meant for gradual promotion to the transcendental position. For ordinary men, at least five yagyas, known as Panchamaha Yagya, are necessary. One should know, however, that all the necessities of life that the human society requires are supplied by the demigods, agents of the Lord. No one can manufacture anything. Take, for example, all the eatables of human society. These eatables include grains, fruits, vegetables, milk, sugar, etc., for the persons in the mode of goodness, and also eatables for the non-vegetarians, like, like meat, none of which can be manufactured by men. Then again, take, for example, heat, light, water, air, etc., which are also necessities of life. None of them can be manufactured by the human society. Without the Supreme Lord, there can be no profuse sunlight, moonlight, rainfall, breeze, etc., without which no one can live. Obviously, our life is dependent on supplies from the Lord. Even for our manufacturing enterprises, we require so many raw materials like metal, sulfur, mercury, manganese, and so many essentials, all of which are supplied by the agents of the Lord with the purpose that we should make proper use of them to keep ourselves fit and healthy for the purpose of self-realization, leading to the ultimate goal of life, namely liberation from the material struggle for existence. <clears throat> the aim of life is attained by performance of yagyas. If we forget the purpose of human life and simply take supplies from the agents of the Lord for sense gratification and become more and more entangled in material existence, which is not the purpose of creation, certainly we become thieves and therefore we are, we are punished by the laws of material nature. A society of thieves can never be happy because they have no aim in life. The gross materialist thieves have no ultimate goal in life. They're simply directed to sense gratification, nor do they have knowledge of how to perform yagyas. Lord Chaitanya, however, inaugurated the easiest performance of yagya, namely the Sankirtan yagya, which can be performed by anyone in the world who accepts the principles of Krishna consciousness. Mukhara uh, Vinda, 10, 14, 19. This might also help. 10, 14, 19. Herein, um, Ajanatam Twat Padavim Anatmani. Atma mana bashi vitatyamayam shishtavyabaham jagato vidana ivatvameshonta ivatrinetraha. Anjanatam, to persons who are in ignorance, twat padavim of your transcendental position. This is Brahma praying to Krishna. Anatmani. In the material energy, atma, yourself, atmana, by yourself, bash, basi, appear, vitatya, expanding, mayam, your inconceivable energy, shrishtao, in the matter of creation, 
ifa, as if, aham, I, Brahma, jagataha of the universe, vidane, in the maintenance, iva, as if, tvam esha, yourself, ante, in the annihilation, iva, as if, tri netraha, Lord Shiva. To persons ignorant of your actual transcendental position, you appear as part of the material world, manifesting yourself by the expansion of your inconceivable energy. Thus, for the creation of the universe, no, that's not it. Mukarvina, that's not it. There's a, a verse that describes the demigods to be like, um, the senses of the living beings on the earth are like cups or something like that. Okay, got it, Malak. I think I saw that verse. Where, where is it? One minute, I'm just getting it. Okay. It's number 23, 33, sorry. 33? 10, 14, 33. Okay. Yeah, even though the extent of the good fortune of these residents of Vrindavan is inconceivable, we 11 presiding deities of the various senses headed by Lord Shiva are also most fortunate because the senses of these devotees of Vrindavan are the cups through which we repeatedly drink the nectarian intoxicating beverage of the honey of your lotus feet. So you see there's a, that's a, the relationship I was describing. It's also described in the Bhagavatam that there's um, this connection between the devas and the, the living entities. For instance, we have eyes, but the eyes are fully dependent on the, on the sun. Without the sun, we can't see anything. And every one of our senses is embedded within uh, one of the um, uh, powers that the devas have in order to function. So the two of us are connected, interconnected. But ultimately, uh, it's by pleasing Lord Vishnu, as it was brought up in a couple of the purports, and as you surmised, uh, Bhaktarana, that Lord Vishnu has to be pleased. That's why at every yajna, uh, Shalagram Shila has to be present, because Vishnu has to be the overseer of the yajna. Those who know that uh, understand the principle that by pleasing Vishnu, then all the demigods are pleased. Devarshi Bhutatna Nrinam Pitranamna Kinkaro Nayam Nrinicharajan if you satisfy Vishnu directly, then all the devas are satisfied because they're, they're limbs of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So the actual uh, mechanism of, you know, what it is uh, they're getting and so forth is a kind of a mysterious process that takes part within the within the yajna itself. Were there any more comments or questions? Prabhu Vanda, this is Sundarananda here. Sundar, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhu. So one comment I had was, uh, Prabhupada quotes this verse about uh, how not to reject anything without knowledge of its relationship with Krishna. Yes. And I was uh, just thinking, oh, it's a wonderful example that uh, you know, you're using all these technologies to transmit the knowledge of Krishna consciousness everywhere and 
using the technology of internet. Yes, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta would would uh, approve, and so obviously with Srila Prabhupada at that time he was preaching. He mentioned frequently about microphones and also about the dictaphone, which is a very advanced technology at that time. Previously, uh, sadhus didn't touch anything like that, but Prabhupada embraced it all, as did his guru and, and also Srila Bhaktivedanta Thakur, for the sake of expanding the yagya all over the world. Thanks, Sundar, for bringing that up. Anyone else about the verse or any, any, anything surrounding it? There's a comment on Facebook, Maharaj. Yes. So this is from Vaikund Nayak Prabhu. Jai. He says that I was thinking about how the Vedic way of living is a stark contrast to the modern material worldview. In the Vedic view, the idea is that we perform sacrifices and when we satisfy the Lord and we get the rains to produce grain. While the modern civilization is thinking that everything is in my control, or everything is random. We cannot produce rain, yet we take it for granted, and we think it is happening automatically. It's almost analogous to thinking that we get electricity without having to pay the monthly electricity bill. Yeah, there may be a, a slight realization right now about how we're not really in control. I mean, I noticed people commenting on this here and there, because I, I don't think, um, there's been such a uh, comprehensive way in which uh, nature has exerted herself simultaneously over the whole world to, to uh, allow us to see that uh, we're not in control. Yes, thank you. Nice comment. Uh, what else? There's, there was one yeah. more from Mandula McLister on Facebook. Okay, and, go ahead. And then after that, Manjula Kanta can jump in. I, would, I like how you said that the Grihastha Ashram is for nurturing other living entities. For the most part, people just think I will only look out for what is mine, but not looking out uh -huh. for others. Yeah. Unless you, unless you cultivate that broad perspective of all living creatures are Krishna's parts and parcels. Yes, of course, it's not done as much nowadays, but in South India, People always used to make those patterns on their on their porches with uh, rice flowers so that tiny living entities could go out and eat. Now I understand they use something, some paint or something like that that's not edible. So it's more or less Niyamagraha. But the fact is that uh, there was a mentality that everybody should be taken care of and fed. And um, that's really the, the mood Prabhupada mentions in the Chaitanya Charitamrita in Vrindavan. Nobody's envious of other living entities thinking, why are you on my property? They're all thinking, These, this is God's property and I'm, I'm just passing through here. And if there's any abundance, I should share it with other people and not just people, but also living entities so that they don't go without. Yes, thank you for bringing up that point. It's extremely important. And Manjula Kanta, you wanted to jump in? Yes, Maharaj. Maharaj, you were talking about yajna as a form of um, a standardized service. It's, it's required of all of us to perform yajna. I was thinking that sometimes we, we do these yajnas to get rid of problems. So is, is it like, is the yajna like our chanting? It's a mandatory daily requirement 
or is it something we use to get rid of stuff like when when we have problems like this we say oh we do a yagna and then it will go away what is the concept of yagna in that sense well as Prabhupada mentioned in the purports we read from the Gita according to a, a person's uh, consciousness um, he or she will perform yagna accordingly so some people because as Prabhupada said they think meeting is a good idea. In fact, what they'll think is that I can't survive without it. This is a great oppression by them, by the mode of ignorance. Some people think, you know, I have to do this, otherwise I'll die. Or it's part of my, um, it's part of my life to eat animals. Some people actually think it's part of their religion to kill, to kill cows or something like that and eat them. So this is uh, due to the darkness of ignorance. So for them, they perform a yagya with a particular uh, motive. And uh, some of them, some people who are in lower modes of nature and rajas, they're performing yagyas because they want to get something from it. They want to remove some material obstacle. They worship uh, demigods like Ganesh. Please remove the obstacles. Like you'll notice any good businessman in India, they'll have a deity of Ganesh. Is that they're not asking Ganesh, please give me a pure bhakti or something like that. <laughs> you know, like we pray, get pada pallava yugam vinidaya kumba dvande pranama samayiga saganadi raja vignan vinhantum alamasya jagatrayasya govindamari purushamta mahambajami. We're worshiping Ganesh with the, with the conception that uh, you're worshiping Nusringadev and holding his lotus feet on your head and therefore we're asking you please help remove any obstacles on our path of devotional service but somebody else is thinking dear Ganesh please let uh, my stock options go through this week so that I can be rich and so people they may worship demigods for different reasons the gopis worshipped Katyayani because they wanted Krishna as their husband and Rukmini similarly when she went through the process, which was a tradition in her family before getting married, of, of worshiping Lord Shiva's wife, Uma. She went there uh, just thinking, you know, when's Krishna going to come and take me uh, as his wife? And um, Prabhupada mentions in that section of the Krishna book that if you're worshiping Lord Shiva or his wife for those reasons, then it's, it's not illegal. So people um, who worship demigods or perform yagyas for a material purpose, they're not as advanced as those who are doing it to please the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They understand that Krishna already knows what my desires are. He's already fulfilling uh, whatever necessities I have. Tena tyak, tena bunjita. It's already arranged by him. So they're not uh, so eager to disturb Krishna with um, their material, expressing their material hankerings and saying, I want this, I want that. They find it unseemly to ask the Lord for anything. So they just say, just please tell me how to serve you. That was the standard of, of Prahlad Maharaj. Uh, Prahlad Maharaj, when uh, Nishingadev said, you take some benediction, and he said, did Prahlad, uh, I don't want any benediction from you. I not, I'm not worshiping you because I want a benediction. I'm not a vanik. I'm not a merchant who's saying, uh, you give me something in, in return for my worship. He said, you're the supreme. 
I'm your servant. That's just our relationship. Let's just do that. <laughs> we'll leave it there. And so it depends on people's mentalities. The idea is if somebody has some material desires and they go through the system of doing some karmic sacrifice, that gradually they'll start to develop faith in the, in the scripture in general because they'll say, oh, this works. And so there is an authorized process for being a karmi or an elevationist. It's not um, looked upon well by the Bhagavatam, but ultimately in the larger scheme of the Vedic project, the idea is that uh, everyone has to start somewhere. And if they connect through the Vedic process, they'll develop faith in Shastra and gradually they can understand how to, um, <clears throat> that it leads to, to Vishnu. And especially we notice in the Bhagavatam that people performing sacrifices sometimes come in contact with Vaishnavas. For instance, when Paranjana was, uh, Prachina Barishat rather, was performing sacrifices, then he came in contact with Narada Muni. And uh, we find that when Nimi was performing sacrifices, he came in contact with the Navayogendras who decided to, uh, by their own free will, uh, descend upon his sacrifice and give him instruction. And that's when they become um, pure devotees by that association. Any other questions or comments? Guru Maharaj, I have a follow-up question um, to the verse that you sent in the 10th canto. This is Bhakti yes. Ramak. Um, so it is said in that verse, right, that the, the deities are the uh, uh, presiding deities of various senses, and they are like the cups from which they're drinking the nectar. But weren't the devotees in Vrindavan transcendental? So, or did the, so if they had a transcendental body or they were transcendental, then how could they have material senses or being, their senses being headed by material demigods? Yeah, well, they don't have material senses. But um, there's this uh, connection in the Baumalila to the 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 ordinary uh, dealings of the material world, and and that's what makes it so sweet. There's a connection there. In other words, um, things look like the ordinary material world, but it's completely transcendental at the same time. It adds a kind of sweetness, the ordinariness. There's no uh, commentary on that verse specifically. Um, let me look really quick to see if there's anything extra. This is uh, 10, 14, 33. One second. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, ah, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare, 10, 14, 
33, is it? Yes. Okay. Here we have. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, here we go. You still there? Yes, Guru Maharaj. <clears throat> okay, the verse 10, 14, 33, yet even though the extent of the good fortune of these residents of Vrindavan is inconceivable, we 11 presiding deities of the various senses headed by Lord Shiva are also most fortunate because the senses of these devotees of Vrindavan are the cups through which we repeatedly drink the nectarian intoxicating beverage of the honey of your lotus feet. The inhabitants of Raja have also made us, the demigods, most fortunate. That is the intention of this verse. Rama prayed, what to speak of the fortune of the Brajavasis? We have also become fortunate. Who can describe it? The demigods like Shiva and I, who are the 11 deities in charge of the senses, have become most fortunate. Through the senses of the Rajabasis, we have tasted the extremely intoxicating nectar of the sweet sound of Krishna's ankle bells. In this way, Brahma expresses his determination to see, hear, touch, taste, smell, sing about, and massage the Lord. Besides the ten senses, there is the mind, intelligence, false ego, consciousness, and their presiding deities. Of these fourteen, the genital and anus are rejected as lowly. Vasudev Krishna is the presiding lord of consciousness. Excluding these three leaves the eleven senses and their presiding deities. Therefore, Brahma prays, we, the eleven presiding deities of these of the senses, are experiencing Krishna's sweetness through the eleven senses of the inhabitants of Raja. Something else should be considered here. The sun, moon, demigods, men, animals, and all the other entities of the spiritual world are Sakchirananda, eternal, full of bliss and knowledge. The material sun, moon, and demigods are all expansions of the spiritual prototypes. The demigods of the material realm are specifically empowered agents of the demigods of the spiritual world. The material senses cannot act independently. Only by the sanction and power of the demigods can the material senses experience material objects. But Sri Krishna's eternal associates independently experience the Lord's form and sound by their own spiritual senses without any influence of the mundane demigods. In his enthusiasm, however, Brahma identified his power to control material intelligence with the senses of the inhabitants of Raja. There's your answer. Furthermore, the material senses enjoy the objects of the mundane world but the presiding deities who facilitate this pleasure do not enjoy. However, without the presence of Brahma and the other presiding deities in the intelligence, mind, eyes, and nose, the senses of even those fixed in Krishna consciousness cannot experience the sense objects of form or smell. That is the opinion of those who know the soul. Because of their eagerness to taste the sweetness of Krishna Brahma, and others were able to experience bliss despite two faults. Though Brahma and the other presiding deities of the senses are mere instigators of the action of the senses, they took on the role of being enjoyers. Although they are the demigods of the material senses, 
they took on the role of being demigods of the spiritual senses. These are the contrary actions seen in Krishna Prema. In Padyavali, it says that one reaches perfection by lying and criticizing. Factually, the senses of the Lord, uh, of Krishna's eternal associates are spiritual like the Lord. So how could material demigods enter their spiritual senses? There is another meaning of the verse. Sometimes a devotee will praise his own fortune out of greediness to taste Krishna's sweetness. The good fortune of the inhabitants of Raja is incomparable, but we ten, ten demigods are very fortunate. Why? Then touching his fingers to his senses, Brahma continued, Hey Krishna, with our senses we also experience your beauty and sweetness as you leave Raja to herd the cows. Did that help? Yeah. Wow, that was amazing. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, hey, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman.